Hey everybody, welcome to Homeroom with Phil Valentine, a podcast hosted by me, teacher comedian Phil Valentine. Every week I'll sit down with different guests and talk to them about their school experience, whatever that might look like. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure that you rate, review, follow, subscribe anywhere that you get podcasts, on Instagram, on YouTube, anywhere where you can get content. Please follow the show. This week's guest was Jason Chaffield. He is a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, an accomplished cartoonist, and a really great guy. I've known Jason for a few years uh, through stand-up comedy and have always been blown away by his second life of cartooning. And Jason was actually cool enough to visit my sixth grade classroom and do a cartoon clinic with my kids. So he's gotten a peek back at my second life also. We had a blast talking about all these things. Enjoy the episode. Like so that. now you have these dual personas. You have the Bruce Banner and the Hulk. And to me, the Hulk was your comedic persona. You had this fantastic act. And then you had this mild-mannered day job guy, which was... <laughs> can I say your real name? <laughs> no, it's... Yeah. I mean, you have Phil, you have Phil Valentine. And right. that's how I met you. I met the Hulk. And yeah, then you everyone met the Hulk. else... I met the Hulk. Everyone else knows the other Phil. Uh, and I don't know if ever the twain were ever going to meet, but it feels like they have. That Well, I think this is them coming together. And mm -hmm. Jason, you got like a, a better view of it than a lot of people because... I did. Because we used to go around the city together. And Jason also, as a cartoonist, would come to my classroom and do like a cartoon clinic with my kids uh, that we just like... Highlight of my I mean, summer. Yeah, every Please. year, the best. Unbelievable. I mean, Jason is, like I said, renowned cartoonist, New Yorker, uh, just unbelievable. And I say it with comedy, and I would have to say the same for cartoons. Like, sixth graders are among the hardest audiences because it's just, <laughs> draw this now. Oh, can you draw yeah. me? Can you do the? It's just, you have to be on. You know, I always say it's six hours of crowd work a day. That's exactly what it is. And you and not only is it six hours of crowd work, it's six hours of crowd work with an entire audience of people whose attention span is about this big. Right. <laughs> the worst. Right. And they're rooting against you. They don't Yeah, of course. Yeah. They don't want you to kill. They want you to bomb. <laughs> they want you to bomb. But so when you're there and you're mm. doing art and cartoons with my kids, it yep. is next level because you are like the guy with every comeback. You're like Greg Giraldo on the roast. You have something for everything. <laughs> can you draw this? Boom. Yes, you can draw it. I remember you drew one of the teachers. There was a time-lapse video of it. That's I'll right. see if I can find it in, in just so fast. And it was the kind of thing like you, you were like Fruit Ninja. Everything they threw at you, you were like, yeah, got it. Cartoon character, got it. And then right. like to bring it all together – you had my sixth graders draw these cartoons, um, you know, a la New Yorker. And they were so funny for a, a, such a range of reasons. And I remember you talking about them on a podcast, on your podcast. I, I think I've shared this with you, but in having spoken to those kids at the end of the year, having spoken to them when they get to eighth grade, that is always among like one of the biggest memories, one of the you know, special things they remember from, from my class. So, mm. you know, it's, it's just awesome. 
Well, it, the reason I enjoyed it so much is because that particular, so that age group that that was being taught, they still were at the age where if you said, "Hey, draw something," they weren't saying, "Oh, I can't draw." You know, there's right. a certain age where you get to where you see someone next to you sitting next to you who can draw really good and then you start saying to yourself oh i can't draw that's not a thing i can do then right. and they're, they they're still at that like enthusiastic stage where if you say draw a house they'll go all right yeah i got this it's like the best age group to to teach drawing to uh, but yeah so australian schooling is very different than american schooling we have different year groups like we call them different things we even call school different things um, you call it elementary school, we call it primary school. You have sophomores and freshmen and seniors. And we just have <laughs> high school. It's just called high school. And we then year or separate, whatever. Yeah, year eight through year 12. That's, that's high school. Okay. You know, you do primary school, which is year one through year seven. And then you graduate from primary school. And then you have high school from year eight to year 12. And then if you want to go to college, uni, we call it uni. uni. Um, <laughs> then, you know, then you do it. But it's not mandatory. It doesn't. It's not this sort of like you have to go to college. Otherwise, you, oh my God, your life is over. You don't have a score. You don't have a, a metric to track your success. And, and the specific college you go to doesn't necessarily matter in the same way that it does in America. Okay. There's certainly good colleges and bad colleges in Australia, but... Like some people just go, nah, I'm just going to go straight into work. I don't need uni. I'm going to become a, I don't know, like a, a strawberry farmer. <laughs> right, right. Although you may need an agricultural degree. That's, that's <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't go to uni. I, I went straight into work and it wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems to it seems to have uh, done well. I bought in. You went to college, right? You went, yeah. what college did you go to? I went to Manhattan College in mm-hmm. the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And what did you study? So I studied to be a high school history teacher, social studies teacher. Okay. Uh, and then um, I, I got a job as a elementary school uh, assistant. And that's when I, mm-hmm. want, I realized I would rather teach elementary school. So I kind of mm. stuck on that path. Um, what was it the major? Sorry, I'm interviewing you now. But what was, <laughs> it, the, what was the thing that made you decide elementary school instead of high school? I think I kind of thought high school more like when I was coming out of high school. You know, I was going right. from high school to college saying, yeah, I want to, I'll come back here and teach kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then, like, when I started working first with fifth grade, I was like, so they're like 10 years old. Um, I was like, oh, this is like fun. This is, you know, malleable and mm-hmm. some days more than others. But I was going to say, some days, yeah, it must be challenging. I want to jump into what kind of student you were when you were a mm-hmm. kid. So let's go. Let's dial it. Where'd you fall? Were you uh, ace in your exams? Were you taking it easy, <laughs> cutting class? What are we talking? I, I don't know. See, I, I never did particularly well in exams, but I did well during the year, like assignments and essays and in class. I was fine. I was attentive enough. I did definitely distract myself drawing a lot more than anyone else I, I would draw on my you know my files and things yeah um and to the point where eventually uh w- one of my teachers uh mr cook he was my history teacher he noticed my drawings and actually commissioned me to draw one of the other teachers who was retiring he said would you draw him as a gift if i paid you and i was like wait this is a 
job? You can do this for money? What the hell? Wow. So he was my first paying customer, Mr. Cook. And that was, yeah, back in, uh, I can't even remember when, back in Perth, um, <laughs> where I, we went to school. So I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like an A student. I was, I, and this is not blowing smoke up my own ass or anything, but I was smarter than I actually graded. So I, I just didn't do enough of the work to get good enough grades. I, I, my grades were just good enough that I would pass and not get in trouble because right. I was distracted. I was, I wanted to do other things. If I'm completely honest, I couldn't wait to get out of school because I was one of the few people who knew exactly what, what they wanted to do. It's very lucky that way. I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I left school and I just, I was so bored. <laughs> I was like, I just want to get out. I, I want to get started. I, at one point I was going to leave school early when I was okay. 15 and then mom said, please, just in case you change your mind, please finish so that you can get your GED, your, your TEE score, it's called. If there's one thing that um, school taught me, there were one or two teachers who did imbue me with a sense of self sort of agency to, to want to learn. So do right. it for yourself instead of telling us what you, giving you a syllabus and telling you what to learn and when, and then we're going to test you on it. Um, right they kind of stoked my enthusiasm to want to know more for myself. So after I left school, I ended up going to the library a lot. I used to read so many books after I left school. I got so interested in politics and in art and in history, especially history and uh, so many other things. That, and I studied more after school, like in the first year or two after school than I did in the previous five years, it was crazy. I just had this insatiable thirst for learning because it was sort of like a, you know, there was this pilot light just you know, sort of there ready for, right. uh, for high school. And then it just took off, like it just lit. It was right. this big flame. And then now, and I'm still the same to this day. I'm constantly reading, trying to re-up my sort of, my knowledge on all these different things. I am, I'm a madman. I'm constantly trying to learn more about everything. And but like yeah, unrestricted it's a, it's a learning, yeah, yeah, it's unrestricted. But it's also self-serving in the se in the sense that I'm not being tested on it. I'm I want to learn it so that I can learn it. Were you a class clown growing up? A little bit, yeah. You know, I had a a buddy of mine, Ben. He was the funniest person I've ever met. And uh, he was a very much a class clown. He yeah. and so he and I, if we were ever in the same class, we were inseparable, and we'd we'd get into a little bit of trouble. Um, we ended up going on to both become comedians, and we had a comedy duo for a while, and we wow. toured that in festivals. But um, he, I remember in English literature one day we were studying, I think it was Pride and Prejudice, um, deconstructing gender um, norms and things and, and roles and. Um, I remember our teacher, Mr. Mania, he said, uh, now, so here's what we're going to break down today. What makes a man? And Ben, without missing a beat, goes, well, cock and balls is a pretty good start. <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed. Like, it killed. I can't even tell you how... Oh, I've never heard a room explode with laughter like that. I mean, he got detention. He got severely reprimanded. But it was so worth it. You could see on his face, he was like, totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, some, so was, there's yeah. sometimes it's just they're throwing you the alley-oop and you got to dunk it, you know? Yeah. I mean, come on. What are you going to say? He <laughs> threw it open. He said, yeah. what makes him mad? He threw it open to us. <laughs> just, he just, but it was the timing. He had, it's almost like he had it ready. It yeah, was like yeah. a bit. And he was like, oh, that was, that was Italian chef kissing fingers good. 
That's like something out of Varsity Blues right there. Right. That's it. But it's in a southern accent. Cock and balls a good start. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, James Vandebeek doing it. Yeah. <laughs> did you uh, – so – you were commissioned by a teacher to to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you cartooning to be mm-hmm. funny before you were being commissioned for it, or how did that come together mm-hmm. for you? That's that's a good question. I never even thought about that. Um, I think so. Well, when I was on the bus, I was. So I had to take two buses and two trains to get to school every day because I lived in a less well-off neighborhood than where I went to school. So um, it gave me a lot of time to draw. Like I used to have like a clipboard full of you know, paper and just draw on the train and the bus. And if other kids were sitting next to me, I would try and make them laugh with the drawings. I'd, I'd draw silly things and make them. Yeah. That was kind of, it was, it was like doing an act. It was like a comedy act, but, um, can but I just, when I was drawing I for myself, say, it wasn't funny. Yeah. That reminds me of when, uh, you know, sometimes you would be on a show and you'd be off on the side <laughs> doing gig sketches <laughs> which I still have in my room, but you were off to the side and uh, doing your drawing, showing it to the kid next to you. Well, getting a laugh. And then they're just special little mementos. You'd break it off and give it to whoever. And part of me felt rude because, you know, you're meant to be paying attention to the act, but I'm never more focused and tuned into what's happening in the room than when I'm drawing because I'm paying attention to way more granular detail because I have to interpret it visually and, and in the drawing. So... Like, I remember there was like a rule. We weren't allowed to be writing in our notepads when there was a comic on stage. And I was actively flouting that rule. But I <laughs> I was doing that in high school as well, in primary school. I was, the, you know, the teacher said, pens down, eyes to me. And I would just be drawing. <laughs> Go, no, screw that. I'm going to draw. And I, would, I wouldn't draw funny things necessarily. Like, I was drawing like mech warrior designs and I was drawing like the Flintstones and Ren and Stimpy, a lot of Ren and Stimpy and Simpsons. And like I was, I was drawing existing cartoon characters. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what changed my brain when I saw John Chris Lucy and Bob Camp, like what they did with Ren and Stimpy and how they were able to like squash and stretch things and how everything didn't have to be so consistent. Like it was in the Simpsons and all the like, I don't know. And it was disgusting. It was sick. It was liquids everywhere and poo and flies and vomit. And and, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. And so that, yeah, that was what made people laugh too. If I drew like, you know, a puddle of piss under something, it was very funny. And I, you know, had little stink lines coming out and some flies flying around it. So paint the picture for us. What did, uh, what was school like? Uh, Do you know what a a Steiner school is? Steiner school? Mm -mm. Um, there are different schools for different ways of educating kids, as there are here, I know. Um, but generally, the schools were pretty uniform. I mean, everything, you had to go to the school within your district, within your area, uh, for primary school. And then to go to high school, you know, you would either go to the closest high school or you would try and get into a private high school. I ended up getting on the waiting list of a private school when I was four years old. which is ridiculous when you really think about it. But um, uh, because we weren't religious and it was a religious school, we kept getting shunted down the list um, Uh by people who were trying to get in who were very religious and part of that religious community, Anglican school. Um, Until one day my mum threw uh, her her, uh, weight around a little bit and said, hey, he's been on the waiting list since he was four. You can't bump him. Um, and so, cause I was going to get bumped and I passed the exam, the entrance okay. exam to get in. 
And, uh, and then I also passed the entrance exam to get into a very elite all boys school. Okay. Now this school that I ended up going to St. Mark's was, uh, with girls and boys and it had a really good arts program. So drama, music, and visual arts were really good. And, okay. you know, the other one was, you know, a lot of politicians came out of that school and lawyers, mainly lawyers. Um, you know, they had a good rowing team. And rugby team, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it, it did. I was like, you know, I know that I'll probably be a millionaire by the time I'm 28 if I go to the <laughs> other one, but I will be miserable. <laughs> so, right. I'm glad, yeah. So, I'm glad I chose St. Mark's. It had a much better sort of arts program. And it was where I ended up doing, you know, the school musicals and going, and I was in the choir. We toured, we did a music tour to Singapore and, um, Wow. You know, it was a much better choice. It was a, uh, but it was a private school. So I did get uh, to be a bit more, I guess, I guess we got to do more things, more interesting things, a little bit sort of more like the guests, the speakers and things and the teachers that we had were a, a, a little higher level than the public high school. Right. And then by the time I got to the 11th and 12th grade, which I did decide to stick around for, I ended up becoming a prefect, a school prefect, which is like... Uh, there was like a hierarchy. You could have the head boy and the head girl, which is like the big, you know, the prime minister. And then you had well, the president and first lady. And uh, then you had like the arts captain and the sports captain and the music captain. They're the second tier. So that's like okay. chief of staff and, you know. Like, so, right. So this is I like was student the arts government got, kind yeah. of. Yeah, kind okay. of. And we would do, we would have to do a lot of stuff. We, we were responsible for a lot of the programs and, uh, I was the arts captain. I got elected by the student body uh, as the as the arts captain, and I wanted to be head boy. I went for head boy, and I was later told that I was uh, a hair's breadth away from being head boy. But the um, the school principal said that um, <laughs> I was. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what the term was. I'm trying to remember what the term was. You know what it was. It was the it was the word obdurate. Obdurate. Do you wow. know what the word obdurate means? I have no idea. I did I did get a love of words from our deputy principal, Mr. Stofer. Obdurate means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or course of action. I, wa I was a little too stubborn for my own good. So if I was right, even if I was right, I wouldn't suffer anyone else's opinion. Even if it, if they were wrong, you know, I wouldn't let them have their little stupid conspiracy theory about why they're not getting vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would be like, no, I, the science is empirical. Why are we even having the argument? It's not like being, having like a black and white yes or no kind of opinion. Because right. as you grow up, you realize that things are less and less black and white. There is so much gray area in so many things. But I do think it's, yeah, I do think mental malleability is important. I think that's something that you do need to cultivate. And I see now why that, what they meant when they were saying I was obdurate. <laughs> Um, and uh, again, no, no one uses the word obdurate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's been waiting for, for, uh, this student so he could use this word ever since his, uh, SATs <laughs> exactly. or what, what, whatever, what was it you guys take the, the score to the get the TEE, it's called the TEEs. Yeah. Tertiary entrance exam. <laughs> um, see, it's but, even called tertiary education. Ter wow. Primary, secondary, tertiary. Mm -hmm. I bet you there's a lot of people who don't even know about the word tertiary, let alone obdurate. <laughs> Outside of the military, no. <laughs> uh, 
I wasn't sporty. I wasn't fit. I was an artistic kid who did theater and right. who did drawing. Like I wasn't, I hated sport days. I didn't like exercise. I, yeah. I think that was my lowest grade was gym. Yeah. Fair enough. The worst. Now you mentioned before like choir and getting on stage. Um, all and whatnot in your high school was that your first uh taste of stage was in in school yeah yeah that was it it was um comedic roles in school productions and uh, i got my first laugh and i just man it's addictive it's like a drug as soon as you get that that first laugh from an audience in your veins and then you do it the next night the same way and you get a laugh again you go oh there's a science to this oh my god it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the comedians are usually the misfits and the nerds and the geeks or the clowns, the class clowns, you know. And if they discover right. getting a laugh and that being their thing and then people knowing them for that thing, especially in school, which is a microcosm of society anyway, um, I think it's really important. Right. I, I would not have become a comedian if I hadn't done any theater stuff in, in uh, high school. I don't think it would have... I don't think I would have ended up doing it. I would have just gone into art and then that would have been it. I think that's awesome. I got approached to do like uh, a play in high school by the drama pro- and I didn't do it. I was too, I don't know, scared. I thought it wasn't cool. I don't know what it was. I did like a pageant, so to speak, in high school and that was the first time I was funny on stage. It was... Uh, like a mock pageant, and I did a pageant. A, they, wow, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know. What do you mean, like a pageant, like a like a little Miss Universe? Like what? Like so it was like a mock Miss America thing. It was a Mr. Arlington. Oh, okay. And so right. they had like a, a talent section, a formal wear section, and for my talent, they introduced me as rapping, but I I was like gift wrapping. That was the joke, and it was oh, like a God. sketch I did. Uh, it was gift wrapping. It was gift wrapping. And that's pretty funny though. That was <laughs> so like it's, it's very silly. It was silly. It was my, you know, first time bringing something I thought was, you know, I'd been crushing in the classroom for for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. was my opus. Now the whole auditorium was going to hear it. Um and that was that's like, so you know, creating a, a basically a character that I, I'm sure there's a there was a video of it somewhere. Um, it's like my first taste of the stage, but then it was another decade before I would be funny on stage again. Uh, so you had this two hour, you said two hour bus ride to school. Did I make that number up? Uh, it was nearly two hours. Yeah, it was. Um, I had to take two buses and two trains, and depending on okay. the timeliness of said buses and trains, it could be up to two hours some days. Okay. So, are you taking that ride with any of your uh, school buddies, or is that a solo trek? By the time I get to the second bus, I have school buddies, but at the start of it, it's just me out there in the wilderness. So, so You're I'm like, uh, you know, I'm in a Rocky Balboa running. <laughs> in the first one, at the start, when he's going. When, he's walking when he starts, he starts by himself. Right. And then exactly. by the time he gets there, he's got the crew with him. That's it. 
Yeah, that's what it was like, me going to school every day, just like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> One thing I wanted to bark up your tree about, I sent it to you before, is if you could narrow it down, right? So when you're going to school, uh, if you could narrow it down to your best, worst, and weirdest uh, things about going to school, experiences at school, however it was, if you could trim it down to three. Best, worst, and weirdest? Yeah. I think the best was I got really, really lucky with my homeroom or what we call the form room. Form room is where when you get to school in the morning, you go to one room and you have the same group of kids in that room every single morning. Um, and you do like okay. announcements and you do, you know, you ch- uh, do like check in, you know, as in like take take attendance. Um, take and roll. Talk about the things that are coming up. Yeah, take and roll call, stuff like that. But then um, we would also like develop good friendships in that room because it was the same people in every year. So year to year, from year eight to year 12, you're in the same form room. So those same people you grew up with for five years in five very, very, uh, God, wow. What everything that happens in those five years, it feels like a lifetime. Uh, right. So that's the best, that was the best thing about high school for me was sharing those five years with those same people. And I got really lucky because I got some very cool people in my form who I'm still friends with today. In fact, one of them, I just had dinner with on the weekend. He and his wife came. They live in he lives in Oklahoma now, and uh, he's one of my best friends in the whole world. And he uh, is a musician. Um, he you know is opening for Kiss and Toto, <laughs> like. Wow. But he was in my form. That's how we met, and right. um, we were great friends. And 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 all, a lot of the people that I were in my form, I'm still close friends with, uh, uh, through thick and thin, through twenty years. Um, so that's wow. the good. And and our form teacher was Miss Wern. She was the best. And she's still around. Like, we're still in touch. We still, she's, you know, wow. very proud of all of us. <laughs> but she was extraordinary. <laughs> she was an extraordinary woman. Um, it started out, the first year we, we started with her, it was a really tragic year for her. Her best friend was murdered in a, in a hot tub. So she kind of, oh. we met her in the middle of that grief process. So pretty heavy stuff. And in right. spite of that, she didn't take leave. She didn't, you know, take it out on us. She didn't, you know, show. Uh, she just, we all kind of, yeah, she, we had a lot of respect for her. And I think that goes a long way if the kids actually respect the teacher. Um, so that yeah. was a big deal for us. That was a really big deal for us. Yeah. You know? um, I just wanted to say, I think it's awesome that the teacher's a part of that, right? Like you didn't, it's not just... Um, the friend, the social relationships, or it is still the social relationships, but the teachers are part of it. And I think that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. cool because I get, I would say, you know, same for us with homeroom. You have every year, you just have your one form, uh, form room. And so mm-hmm. it becomes it a bond for the teacher too. And I think that's in America, right. a homeroom, we would call it. All right. So we got the best, we got the best part was uh form room, those relationships. Mm-hmm. The, how about the worst? What do we got? The worst to me was really, um, you know, I, and I regret that I have this still in my head, but I do. When I was in the final uh, stages of my final year of high school, there was something called Year 12 Perspectives. And Year 12 Perspectives was a, an exhibition put on by the uh, the only art gallery and museum in my home state. 
the art gallery of WA. So what they would do is they would go around to all of the different high schools and take the final year 12 art students, because I did art as my one of my electives for my final year, and they would find the best pieces okay. and they would hang them in an actual art gallery and they would make it an exhibition called Year 12 Perspectives. There was only one other person I knew in my class who actually wanted to be an artist when they graduated. The rest were just kind of doing it for shits and giggles because art is fun. Um, but she was she was a really dedicated painter. She still paints today. Um, and I was the only other one in the class who I was like, well, this is going to be my job. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I know it. Like, I know it in my bones. This is what I'm going to do. Right. So I put a ton of work. I put an extraordinary, an inordinate amount of work into this final piece. My final piece, which is what you get graded on for your final exam. You do an art history exam. You do a written pro- you do a written portion and then you do your physical actual piece that gets graded by external graders so people like state people come in to grade that piece and the exam um but also your teacher um you know has a lot to do with that so my art teacher who will remain nameless for some ungodly reason i don't know why uh i'm sure she feels bad about it i have no idea forgot to submit our pieces for the year 12 perspectives program it was something that i had aspired it was the only thing i had ever aspired to at that point in my life it was the one thing i was like i want to see my work on a wall or at least have the opportunity to be considered for an exhibition that right wow what an amazing thing for an artist turns out i did a really i mean i looked back on it recently it's pretty good piece like for a 17 year old like I was like, yeah, but above average. It's still to this day. I, if I saw it, I'd be like, that's yeah, pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So I, I don't know why she forgot to submit it. I don't know. We had a, a uh, we had a weird relationship. It was a, yeah, we kind of butted heads a bit. My art teacher and I. I even put a hid in one of my pieces about the. Um, <laughs> how I thought it was dumb that we had to study uh, the history of certain artists who had absolutely no influence on you know X, Y, and Z and why we should be looking forward and looking uh, for new ways of creating art and new mediums and yeah. not trying not to replicate what's already been done. She was a, obviously a staunch advocate for just painting like a neoclassicist or like a modernist or a you know impressionist. You know, so I we would always butt heads on stuff, just yeah. perceptually, conceptually, and all that. So I don't know. I don't think there was any animus there that she was like, "I'm not going to submit his piece for this." But nonetheless, I ended up going to the gallery when the exhibition opened, um, assuming that my piece had been considered but rejected. Um, and I saw some of the worst dog shit drawings. Oh. Like you could have seen them on a napkin. Like that was so impossibly bad. And I was like, I've never said this about art in my life, but my piece was empirically better yeah. than many of the pieces on that wall in wow. that giant, beautiful art gallery. Um, it was our version of the Met, you know, and uh, right. I raised it and found out that she had forgotten to submit my piece and i just i i shouldn't hang on to that but i have always hung on to that because i know i've gone on to you know much better things since but as a kid that killed me that oh, really yeah. messed with me really messed me up that at that age oof, well that's I just, the thing I was man. so angry 
you've gone on to better things, but at that point you didn't have those better things. Like this is it. This is the grasp. Oh, and I had hard, built it up in my head too. Is this big thing that I was really aspiring to. And when I was working on that final piece, I was like, this is going to get on a wall. People are going to see this. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I, I didn't have like, an, I wasn't like arrogant or anything as a kid. I was pretty modest about my stuff. I was worried about sharing it with people. Right. But this particular one, I was like, oh, I'm proud of this one. Wow. And uh, no one ever saw it except, you know, I guess someone who graded it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Wow. Yeah. So that was the bad. That was pretty bad. I still yeah. remember that. You asked for the weirdest. The weirdest. All right. So the weirdest is um Okay, this is this is it's 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 strange. I um I went on a music tour. I joined the choir. Went on a music tour to Singapore and uh with a whole bunch of kids because I just wanted I didn't I wasn't particularly musical. Um uh, but uh, I, I guess I wanted to go on a music tour, so I pretended I could sing, and I was like an alto, and um, I don't know. I guess the weird, like, so I we were on a boat in the harbor in Singapore, and I, this is so weird. I saw, like, just <laughs> I saw a. <laughs> It was the first naked man I've ever seen in my life. And it stuck with me because it's the weirdest thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I saw an old naked man on the boat next to us jerking off into a river. <laughs> wow. And it it just stuck with me. It's one of the weirdest memories I have from high school. I was, I was like wow. mortified by it. And I looked around and barely anyone had seen it. Like there were two other kids. So I was like, did you just see that? They're like, oh. It's just one of the weirdest memories that I could never get rid of with no amount of therapy gets rid of that first naked man. And then he's doing that into, yeah. into a river in Singapore uh, on a boat that you're on. It's weird with your it's... classmates. Like exactly. There are, with there are layers around. So weird. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. And so like uh, the Gross. weirdest thing is that it's a school memory. Like I, that kills me. That's yeah, exactly. so funny. Yeah. It shouldn't be a <laughs> what, school memory. That should the be the teacher last there? thing. No, the teacher was down below deck. So it was a big boat. It was a big boat. The teacher was but swimming was, in the river uh, down below. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Covered in uh, that slick of oil. <laughs> Um, it was not pretty, man. It really, yeah. That's a. It's one of the weirdest stories I have from high school. It shouldn't be wild. a high school memory, but it is. How long were you on this uh, tour trip uh, in Singapore? It was one week. It was a one week trip. We went all around Singapore. We sang for schools and parliamentarians and diplomats and wow. all sorts of stuff. It was a really interesting tour. You know, seeing another country and. All this interesting stuff. Plus, got to see a guy jerk off a boat. So that was yeah, fun. I know. Uh, <laughs> that is the interesting stuff. Every, everything else is the plus. Maybe that's why I became a comedian. That that just tweaked something in my brain, and forever I've been broken. <laughs> I hope you were staying upriver. Yeah. <laughs> nope, staying downriver. In the river it was great. Oh my god, that is too funny. Yeah. Pretty bad. That was pretty bad. That's such a weird memory, but it's a high school memory, unfortunately. So there it is. That is hysterical, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, Jason, this has been an absolute blast. I think that is. A it good was great. Weekend. Wasn't it fun? 
All right, that was the episode with Jason Chatfield. Hope you enjoyed listening. I had a great time talking to him. One thing I want to suggest, uh, because I'm a fan of it, is to get on Jason's mailing list and check out his newsletter. I'm going to put the subscription for that in the show notes. Uh, Hope you enjoyed listening. Please make sure you subscribe, follow, and if you enjoyed, please share with a friend. You made it this far. Also, if you enjoy the music, that was a little tune written by my friend Derek Alexander-Smith. I will be tagging him in the show notes also. Thanks a lot. So long.